Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we have a very, very special guest. I'm excited for you guys. MLS Executive Vice President and Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer, Shola Winley. We'll be getting to know all about Shola, talking about his career and learning more about his off-pitch endeavors. Shola, thank you so much for taking the time. We know you're a very busy man. How are you doing today? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, Moby and Elle. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Thanks for having me on. Nah, most pleasure, definitely. pleasure. Let's start it off. All right, so let's jump right into it. Um, two truths in the cap. So this is a rapid, this is a icebreaker game that we like to play here um, with our guests. Um, Shola, he'll tell us three facts about himself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. And Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. So whenever you're ready, Shola, take it away. Okay. So the uh, first uh, first one is I, I've completed a 200-hour uh, yoga teacher training. Um, uh, uh, the second is um, uh, I was the uh, teen angel in the play Grease uh, in junior high school. And the third um uh i am a 10 handicap in golf oh that's that's pretty good um yeah, i don't know much about golf and like how the handicaps work um so i can't really gauge there uh i'm trying to see if i've seen something about yoga in my research Nah, I'm going, I'm so. going, I'm going, uh, the cap is the yoga. I think he's currently in the process. He doesn't have the 200 hours yet. I'm going, you know, his work in sports, a lot of networking, a lot of, you know, corporate moves. I'm saying 10 handicap is, is plausible. Um, even though he's based in New York, man, how much golfing are you really doing? Yeah. Uh, that's my cap is the yoga. What about you? Oh, hmm. I wrote that. <laughs> oh no, you can't you can't, can't. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I'm gonna roll it out. I'm gonna roll okay. it out. That makes sense. Gotcha. All right, go ahead. Uh so um uh I'm terrible at golf. Damn. Uh, I I rarely play golf if ever. Um uh the one the last time I played golf was with my father in law. And the year before, uh, uh in this tournament, he finished uh, first with his foursome. I joined that foursome, they finished in last place. That's the last time I've ever played golf. <laughs> Um, uh, my, my wife and I, we went on a, a yoga retreat to, um, uh, to, um, Rishikesh in, uh, in India, uh, mm -hmm. several years ago. And then on the heels of that, I came back and I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training with, um, a yoga master by the name of Dharma Mitra here in New York city. Um, and I practice yoga five or six times a week. So, and then, uh, I was the teen angel at picture proof. Uh, my kids laugh at me. They see me bald now. They see a big, big Afro, uh, white uniform coming down the stairs. I wish I had video that they could hear my voice. Um, I could sing back then, not too much now. Um, and so that was my crowning um, uh, theatrical achievement. Oh, wow, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that that's a good pretty one. good. I would have never guessed that. Uh, <laughs> definitely want to dive into that yoga a little bit more. But uh, when did you fall in love with soccer? So I'm in the process of falling in love with soccer. You know, when I uh, started at the league, I had very little exposure to uh, to the sport and or soccer culture. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, one of the one of the first things that um, I had asked the folks was uh, some forgiveness. I said, because I'm going to make a lot of mistakes when it comes to understanding the fundamentals of soccer. 
Um, and I wanted to establish that right off the bat that I, I didn't want to uh, front like I had a whole lot of soccer bona fides. I wanted to respect folks that um, uh, really have built that soccer culture here and have dedicated their uh, professional career, career both on and off the pitch to soccer. And I really wanted to um, uh, take the time and I'm still taking the time to learn it. Um, and so I'm in the process of falling in love with it. Once you go to one of our stadiums, uh, you feel the electricity from the, from the supporters. Uh, there's no other experience in my, in my view in professional sports uh, that, that's, like, that's like that. The engagement, fan standing the entire time uh, is really a dynamic atmosphere. And I've been involved in sports for a long time. You know, I started my career at the NFL when I was a young kid, 25 years old, and uh, been to a bunch of Super Bowls and been blessed and fortunate uh, to go a lot of uh, big sporting events and uh, soccer um, uh, and Major League Soccer is right up there. And then with the World Cup coming in 2026, um, it's going to be a galvanizing moment for this country and for this sport. No, I love that. So for you, you know, being new to the sport, I'm sure you have a lot of new terminology and a lot of different things. What were you like just some of your first questions at a soccer game? Oh, first questions at a soccer game? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't know what it meant, you know, the whole offsides thing, you know, it's like I'm used to offsides there being a line, right? There's you're on one side and you're on the other. Right. And now I think, now I think I have, now I think I have the flow of being offsides. Um, but I had to learn everything, like all, all of the rules, you know, just, and, and what takes a while is the strategy, you know, so unless yeah. you're involved really in it, it takes a while to really understand the strategy and it takes a while to understand um, uh, the difference in, in, uh, in skill gap. Right. And once you spend time with it, you could really start to see those players and those clubs that distinguish themselves in terms of a skill level. You know, you look at the, 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 the team, the United States men's team. Um, a, a lot of those players are major league soccer players. Um, and the skill level is really just um, uh, is really significant and, and special. It's great. It's great to see. No, I love that. I want to ask you which stadium did you find best, but I don't want to get you in trouble with any other MLS team <laughs> at the moment. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you, you've been to a bunch of Super Bowls. You've worked in the NFL since a young, as a young man. Um, give us your origin story. How did you get into sports in general? Yeah, so, I, you know, I played, I played sports growing, growing up, and then at some point, you know, I just wasn't good enough to compete at a higher level, right? So my, my uh, playing stopped at, at high school, but I never mm -hmm. lost my passion and my love for, uh, for sports. Uh, at the University of Connecticut, I was graduating. I really did, wasn't sure what I wanted to do professionally. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something in the sports, uh, in the sports world. So I wrote letters, you know, at this time it was like, you know, we had to type it out. It wasn't internet and email and I had to, you know, type it on a letter and fold it and put it in the mail. And I wrote letters to every sports league, every sports team, every sports marketing, every sports marketing company, uh, everyone that I knew that was involved in the sports industry, essentially sending the set, sending the same message. I'll work for free for three months doing anything. I'll clean the windows. I'll sweep the floors. Just give me a chance to come in and prove my worth. I got back, you know, uh, uh, 99 no's right out of 100. But I got back one, uh, one yes. It was a small sports marketing firm here in New York. Uh, they were, uh, they had represented um, some sports marketing um, uh, properties. One of those properties was called the Hampton Classic. It was a, a equestrian event from Hamptons, New York. And we had the rights to sell um, that property on television. And so that introduced me to um, the world of, um, of sports and sports media and packaging sports rights so that you can sell those, um, which I ultimately ended up doing while I was at the NFL internationally. I sold um, international, I sold NFL games internationally um, uh, for a couple of years at the NFL uh, before, I, before I transitioned out. So that was really, 
that was really my start. And I worked for seven years at the NFL, five years in the domestic area, and then um, two internationally. I'm sorry, uh, three years uh, domestic and then four internationally. And while I was at the NFL in the domestic area, I helped to create a program called um, NFL Flag. Um, and it's a flag football program that um, is five on five, youth-based flag football. We designed the rules for it, came up with the logo for it, rolled it out nationally and internationally. And I share that story because this past Sunday, um, I coached my 11-year-old son yeah. um, in his uh, flag football championship, right? So this is a program I had created uh, and was part of a team creating, you know, 25 years ago. And now fast forward, I have an 11-year-old uh, son who happens to be uh, transgender. We can talk about that. Um, uh, coaching him on his team to, to, to a Super Bowl, it was a, it was a special, it was a special moment in our family. What a full circle moment. And definitely going to dive into that. That's an amazing, yeah, uh, amazing yeah. story. Uh, when it comes to um, your journey, I would love to get any advice. You took a proactive approach for people that want to follow in your footsteps, you know, especially young, you know, African-Americans. Any advice in terms of going after what you want in the sports business space? Well, I, you know, sports is sports is one space, but let's just talk about, you know, career development in general, right? Mm -hmm. Is that you first, you have to have the competency, right? That you have to be able to drive value for um, whatever organization and whatever industry that you're going to be a part of, right? So you have mm -hmm. to develop a skill set. Uh, so competency, a character, right? You have to have um, a, a character that um, uh, fits with uh, the culture of the organization that you want to work for. You have to have um, a mentorship and mentorship that from a wide a variety of different demographic groups, right? So you need black mentors, you need white mentors, you need Latin mentors, you need mentors who are women, um, allies who can um, uh, give you different perspectives and different views um, is helpful. I'm a big believer in uh, continuing your education um, as well. Um, because we have to eliminate reasons for people to rule us out, right? Well, this person doesn't have this, or this person doesn't have that, right? And so we have to um, uh, understand that uh, we have to be able to level set the table and eliminate as much as possible, giving people proactive reasons to eliminate us from the conversation. Um, so we have to have the credentials um, in place uh, in place as well. Most importantly, however, we have to have a, um, a, an understanding of ourself. What are our strengths and where are the areas where we need to continue to develop? And that's critical, whether you are entering into um, uh, an organization for the first time or whether you're the leader of that organization. We're always learning new um, uh, skills we, and we have to continue to learn more about ourselves or else we continue to repeat, uh, repeat the, same, uh, the same mistakes. And I have seen that happen again and again, right? So if, um, if I make a mistake and we all make them, you know, I'm quick to acknowledge it. I'm quick to apologize. I'm quick to say that, but that wasn't always the case, right? I've learned to develop that over time because I have seen that it's effective when I'm working with my colleagues, right? That nobody wants to work with somebody who thinks that they're always right. Um, uh, and so, um, uh, you know, for, you know, just to uh, be authentic and be yourself and know that uh, you come to the table with a lot, but there's also a lot that each of us can learn from our colleagues, regardless of what um, our experience has been. Classes in session. Ooh, I just wrote all that down. Thank you so much. I think that's valuable advice, you know, not only for any young kid trying to come up, but valuable for, you know, anyone. So appreciate you sharing 
uh, let's shift gears a little bit. You know, you're doing a lot of things in the sports business world. You transitioned and then MLS comes calling. Talk about how it all came about in your specific role within MLS. Sure, sure. So, you know, I, the, I've known the commissioner for 27 years. He was my first boss at the, at the NFL. Uh, so he, he hired me. Uh, we've maintained a relationship uh, for close to, uh, close to three decades. When I left the NFL, I went, into, uh, social, I went back to school uh, to get my social work degree. So I'm a licensed clinical therapist as well. Um, and I um, um, opened up a uh, consulting practice working with individuals and organizations on leadership development, um, uh, you know, self-growth, organizational dynamics, and built a successful practice. And I had that business for uh, 15 of the last 20 years. Uh, five of those 20 years, I went to go work for a major media company, a Networks, uh, who was a consulting client of mine, who ended up hiring me um, as their executive vice president of uh, strategy and, uh, and planning. Um, uh, and then I left there uh, in 2018 um, uh, and reopened and reestablished my consulting practice and was, uh, was very happy you know, with it. Um, uh, I had clients, Major League Soccer was one of my clients. Um, and then uh, COVID came, obviously, and then obviously the murder of George Floyd, which changed a lot for industry and the sports industry, um, uh, uh, for sure. And so the league found itself um, uh, in a position where um, uh, they needed to hire a chief uh, develop, uh, chief uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. Um, uh, my uh, background obviously wasn't uh, traditionally um, in that space, um, uh, but a, a couple of factors uh, in my decision. First was my family. Right, I sat down. I talked with my family about it. I said, "This is what um, this is going to mean for us as a family, um, and I want your feedback." Right, this is a collective decision. And my kids were like, "You know, Dad, you've always talked with us about um, uh, uh, doing good and helping people, and you've sort of, you know, um, uh, built your career that way. And this job sounds fun. So if you can do that and this, then um, you know, we would encourage you to do it." And so, with their blessing. Um, you know, I engaged in conversations. And if it wasn't the commissioner um, and my respect for him and what he's been able to accomplish, I probably wouldn't have taken the role. At this point in my career, it really matters to me who I work for. I need to be able to, uh, to respect them. Um, and as I said, uh, Major League Soccer was a client of mine for a couple of years. So I knew the senior leadership here. So coming on board, there was already some trust that was established. And so it allowed us to move a little bit faster. In my first meeting with um, uh, with uh, our black player group, probably 70 folks on the on the line, I'm sharing a lot of what I'm sharing now. I've known the commissioner for 27 years, running through the whole rundown. Think I have pre- you know people in a pretty good place, and you know one people raise their hands and they say you know essentially, Shola, that's all good. You know we hear you, um, but you know back in the day, some of us were in the field and some of us were in the house. You know, and you're in the house, and so you know how could we trust you essentially? And mm-hmm. Um, I said, listen, you know, if I'm in your seat, I appreciate that. I appreciate the question. Uh, trust, trust is earned, and I'm going to just have to earn that through, uh, through, my, um, uh, through my actions with you. And, you know, I shared that with a, um, uh, with a colleague, a, a, a national civil rights leader. And, uh, you know, they said, how's it going, Shola? I said, that's been a long time since I've been in the seat where, you know, on one hand, you know, you can't be too black. On the other hand, you know, you're not black enough. And that's the space often that senior black leaders find themselves in, is that we have to advocate for people and we also have to be able to earn people's trust um, uh, internally and externally. And that requires you to have a strong sense of self. You have to know who you are, right? And um, appreciate the fact that not everybody's gonna like you and not everybody needs to like you. 
um, but they do, they do need to be able to respect and value what the role represents. And I'm here to represent change for the organization and quite frankly, change for the, uh, the industry, the soccer, the soccer landscape uh, requires there to be some systemic change that takes place up and down the value chain from the way that we give out a coaching license to the way that we develop our players, to the way that we market and tell stories about our players. We have a growing black uh, soccer community. We need to do a much better job of harnessing uh, that energy and that power and that vibe. I think we can, uh, we can do some of that. I'm not sure if you guys saw the exciting announcement that came out today with Apple. We have a 10 year um, partnership uh, with Apple, uh, you know, most uh, innovative um, uh, and one of the most respected companies around the world is now an exclusive partner with us, which opens up a whole host of opportunities in terms of storytelling and marketing, um, uh, the way we package our game, the way we present our game, uh, the announcers that we bring on board. So this is an exciting time uh, to be involved in Major League Soccer and the sport um, uh, of soccer in general in this country. No, that's amazing. And uh, we're excited. You know, you mentioned the Apple deal. Uh, I got goosebumps off that. Just coming in the league 2010 to what you guys have done now in such a short amount of time. But when it comes to your role specifically as, you know, vice president of DEI, um, you touched on a number of different things that I definitely um, take to heart, you know, uh, the concept of, you know, sticking to the mission and the values of what you guys are trying to build, but also staying authentic to yourself. While also, you know, there's going to be a lot of different people that feel different types of way and trying to, you can't solve everyone's problems, but you can, you know, do what you need to do. So it's a tough, it's a tough role and, you know, you've been tasked with doing it. So can you give us a little bit more insight around some of the initiatives, some of the processes that you had to go through in, in, in your short time as at the head of the head of the helm? Sure, sure. Um, uh, so the, the, the first uh, was um, uh, just building trust with people, having conversations with them, um, uh, building relationships. And we spent several months doing that, right? So rather than coming in with an agenda, I really wanted to understand what was important for, uh, for our owners, what was important for our players, what was important for our staff. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and those conversations allowed us to a lay out a blueprint um, uh, for the first year and what we wanted to accomplish. And it was a couple of things. One is we wanted to establish an environment of belonging internally within the league office. And that um, came, that manifested itself through uh, employee resource groups, our ERGs. We have six of them. We have uh, Pitch Black, which is our black ERG, Somos, our Latino ERG. Uh, we have a Pride ERG, our LGBTQ ERG, um, Parents, um, uh, a women's ERG and then our Asian ERG, right? And so um, uh, uh, these communities um, are uh, safe spaces for employees to come together, um, but they also are important vehicles for the organization to uh, pressure test ideas, um, to get feedback on, um, on public statements, um, to uh, help to educate and inform uh, the organization and the enterprise on important moments um, uh, in their respective communities. And so establishing this ERG infrastructure um, was a priority for us. And it really has paid tremendous dividends, both for the organization and for individuals. Uh, that was one. Two was establishing governance structures. And so we have a, a diversity committee that's comprised of uh, five owners, Arthur Blank, who uh, is owner, obviously, Atlanta Falcons, as well as Atlanta United, D. Haslam, owner of um, the Cleveland Browns and uh, the Columbus Crew, 
And then we have three other we have three other owners, Marty Edelman, um, uh, John Ingram, and Jorge Mas. Uh, our our committee is unique in sports because it also includes non-owners. Uh, we have current players, so members from BPC are on that committee, as well as SCORE, the retired players group, and um, uh, members from uh, MLS Next, which is a 13,000 um, uh, of the most elite youth players, also have a governance committee for that uh, program called the Equity Action Committee. They have a representative that's on our committee. So when you think about it, it's the entire ecosystem that's represented on this committee, right? So it's important for us to have a governance structure where we could vet ideas and then we can make recommendations through. So um, we uh, have our own version of the Rooney Rule. There's been a lot of uh, news about uh, the Rooney Rule um, over the last several months. We've had an initiative in place since 2007. It was time for us to update that policy, so we did that. We organized um, a series of uh, working groups and spent uh, over 200 hours assessing our policy. Um, uh, that, that Those working groups included the commissioner, included owners, included uh, current head coaches, including Robin Frazier, who was at the time the only black head coach in the league. Um, uh, it included former and current players as well as league staff. Two to 300 hours assessing the policy, seeing where we needed to enhance the policy. We made significant changes to it. We went from it being you had to interview one minority candidate to you had to interview and have in your final pool two um, candidates from an underrepresented group. One of those candidates had to be black. Um, and that was that was uh, important for us because 25% of our player pool is black. And so we felt it was important to have representation. And what we spent time talking about internally is the difference between diversity and, and representation and equity. And 25% uh, of our player pool is black, but less than 10% of our coaching pool was black, right? So that to me created an opportunity for us. If you juxtapose that with our um, Latino uh, coaching and player pool, 30% of our players are Latino, 30% of our assistant coaches are Latino, 30% of our head coaches are Latino. We didn't orchestrate it that way, it just happened to be that way, right? So we don't have a Latino player for change group, right? Organizing for a lot of more representation within the sport because they're adequately represented. Um, and so we instituted a policy. Uh, the policy um, uh, went into effect this year. Um, and we'll see, how, we'll see how we do at the end of the year. Right? We've made a, a decision to review the policy and we'll make changes and modifications as we need to go along. Uh, so that was an important initiative for us. Uh, we also, um, uh, this past um, uh, March, uh, announced a historic deal uh, with the National Black Bank uh, Foundation. It's the first time um, uh, in sports and league history where there's been an ex a, a commercial transaction exclusively with um, a consortium of black banks. Uh, um, at one point in time, there were over 50 black banks in this country. Now there are 18. A lot of this stuff I found out, you know, since I've took, taken on this role. Uh, the first week in my job, I got a phone call from, uh, from Bernice King. Uh, Bernice and I have a relationship uh, that dates back a couple of years from just some consulting work I had done for the King Center. And um, uh, she said, Shola, I'm on the board of the National Black Bank Foundation. Will you meet with their leadership, see if there's anything that the league can do? I said, sure. Uh, the next week, um, you know, they flew out to New York. We met up in Harlem. My family has a church up in Harlem. And so just just worked out. It was convenient for us to do that. Turns out um, Jackie Robinson had started a black bank in 1963, right on 125th Street. Uh, oh. which I didn't even know, right? And so uh, the co-chair of our diversity committee, Marty Edelman, used to be Jackie Robinson's lawyer. 
right? So you have all of these different pieces that are coming together, including the fact that Bernice King's grandfather helped to found a Citizens Trust Bank in Atlanta, one of the first black banks um, and the lead bank in this transaction, in this deal. Um, and uh, during um, uh, her father, during Martin Luther King's last speech before he was assassinated, he talked about a, a banking in movement and moving dollars to black banks in order to support black communities. So there's been advocacy in sports for a long time and certainly in the King Center. And so it all sort of, I'm within the King family, so it all sort of came together. And I felt that this was an opportunity for the league to lead. The commissioner bought into it right away. We worked on it for an over a year. Um, and we took a 25 million uh, syndicated loan from the bank. We draw the entire loan down. And what that means is that banks make money on lending money, right? So I'll lend you a dollar. I'll make a couple of, couple of cents off of that. You multiply that by millions of dollars. It's, it's, this is millions of dollars of cash that goes directly into um, black and brown communities. Um, uh, so home uh, mortgages, back, um, uh, business loans, um, uh, community development, um, lending money to other minority banks, all possible from transactions like uh, the one with Major League Soccer, and really being, being able to demonstrate that the deal is possible. And that was a primary objective for us, that we want to remove barriers and we wanted to remove obstacles for people saying, well, you know, we can't do a deal with black banks because it's going to cost us more money. Well, we've proven that that's not the case. And since then, um, uh, uh, they've had a lot of deal flow that has followed. That was part of what our um, uh, expectation was. And so uh, we were really uh, proud about that. Um, uh, and then, you know, our Juneteenth initiative that we're rolling out um, uh, in, a couple of, in a couple of weeks, actually this weekend, um, uh, exciting. It's around a theme called Freedom to Be. Uh, we've commissioned a poem from Langston Hughes called Freedom. Uh, we uh, uh, hired a, um, a black queer artist from, um, uh, from Brooklyn, originally from Alabama. Her name is Judah Middleton, uh, to design a box, uh, box set for us. It's the second year in a row that we have uh, commissioned an artist and uh, will auction off uh, the jerseys. Last year, we raised $150,000. Uh, black Players for Change is a partner with us uh, in this initiative. And um, uh, there's a BPC rep on every club, and they've identified an organization that the proceeds from the auction will, uh, will go to. Um, uh, when I started at the league office, we had one uh, uh, black vice president or above. And um, uh, uh, if we're going to be an organization that recruits the best talent, that retains the best talent, people have to see people that look like them at the top, right? So then you bring me in now, all of a sudden there's two. Fast forward a year, and I, I give credit to our HR team. We now have nine, right? Either through a series of promotions or hiring, um, uh, nine black uh, uh, executives at the vice president level or above in a year. And so to me, that's significant progress. Um, uh, and that creates an environment where more talent can come in and more talent can, uh, can thrive. And so we're just, we're just getting started laying a foundation, uh, but feel really good about the progress that we're making so far. No, I love the transparency and, you know, you guys being proactive about all the different initiatives that you guys are doing. Um, big kudos to you guys for the bank announcement. I remember that when that first came out, we were in the group chat, me and L like talking about, yo, they like they're back in their words with action. And that's what it's all about being one of the first leaks across the board, you know, not waiting for the NBA, not waiting for the NFL. Um, and MLS is doing a lot of great things. I know I'll be part of one of the Juneteenth events this upcoming weekend, so it's exciting to see oh, great. the collaboration with BPC. 
Um, but one thing that I really like what you said is, you know, being able to see where you want to go. Can you really quick talk about some of the uh, initiatives or things that you guys are doing to help entice, you know, black players to move on to coaching or executive leadership? And it doesn't just have to be players. It could be just, you know, black individuals, uh, both men or women. How are you guys making sure that in order to not only retain talent, but entice them to come on board um, in MLS? It's a it's a it's a great question, uh, Amobi, and I give a lot of credit to uh, to my colleague, Doctor uh, Doctor Jamil Northcutt, uh, who also used to work at the NFL, who came over to uh, to the league several years ago to build out um, our player engagement area. He's done a he's done a, a, a significant uh, job. Shout out, Doctor Northcutt. Whole, yeah, he's built out a whole platform of of, of programs, um, from fellowship programs to uh, soccer upward mobility. Um, uh, opportunities to uh, getting uh, getting players um, uh, uh, trained as uh, as scouts um, uh, and so a variety of different uh, initiatives and opportunities. We have players who come and spend uh, spend a day uh, at the league as part of our, our league access uh, program. Um, uh, and so uh, whatever opportunities that we have to engage players, um, uh, whether they are current or former players, we will do that. Uh, as part of our coaching development, we're in the process now of assessing uh, what type of leadership development programs we want to put in place for uh, um, uh, future coaches, um, particularly since we have this policy, um, and to make sure that we um, not only have a pipeline, but that we're preparing them for um, uh, for interviews and preparing them uh, for opportunities as they as they arise. So stay tuned on um, uh, some of those initiatives that we'll be announcing um, that we'll be announcing in the near future. Oh, exciting. Thank you for that. And shout out to Dr. Northcutt. He's been amazing, not only for me personally, but for a lot of athletes within MLS, you know, whether you're African-American or not, um, they, they do a great job. Him, Chidozi. He's, he's, uh, he's unique, right? Because um, uh, sports, like a lot of industries, is transactional. And um, it's essential to have folks that are uh, relational and relationship driven um, and to make a difference in people's life. And exactly. uh, he, he's, as, he's as good as they get in that regard. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your partnership with the MBBF? Yeah, so that's the National Black Bank Foundation, right? So they were okay. our, uh, led by uh, Ashley Bell and Brandon Comer, right? So these are two brothers who, um, uh, were, um, you know, walking in uh, some of the demonstrations and really fig feeling like they needed to do something. And um, they made a decision to start this foundation uh, to represent these banks and to try to broker um, uh, deals on their behalf. Um, uh, Ashley's a partner at Denton's, one of the world's largest law firms, and Brandon runs his own, um, uh, you know, financial capital uh, company called, called Comer Capital. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, the fact that they did this, you've got two guys who are, in my view, rebuilding the black banking infrastructure in this country. Um, uh, and so however we can support that, we will look to, we will look to do that. No, I love it. I know we got it on our, uh, to-do list, L to open up. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> um, so I want to jump in real quick. Uh, I love everything that the league is doing for, um, you know, black coaches to players and people within the league and trying to elevate from within. Um, what are some ways that MLS is looking to engage the black community outside the league? 
like what, what types of initiatives or things are you guys looking to do to kind of bring more black people to the game of soccer? Because you know, as you mentioned before, you weren't traditionally a soccer fan. I think that's true for maybe a lot of black Americans. Um, so what are some things that like MLS may do is doing or may have in the works that can bring that black audience to the game? It's a, it's a great question and one that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, uh, so I look at a, a partnership with the National Black Bank Foundation, right? Um, it's, it's first, it's just it's good business. It allows us to have an impact um, in an area that I think is important in terms of closing the wealth, uh, the racial wealth equity gap. Um, and so uh, if those stories are out there, right, it opens up a whole new audience for us, right? So it opens up an audience for people who follow Bernice King. It opens up an audience for people who are interested in what's happening in the financial markets. Um, uh, you look at the Juneteenth uh, celebration, an artist um, like Judah Middleton um, uh, increases the, uh, the scope and opportunities of where we can tell stories outside of just uh, the soccer, the traditional soccer landscape. Um, and then you look at what's on the horizon with the transaction and partnership with Apple and opportunities that we will have around uh, storytelling and marketing. Um, and we have just um, uh, you know, started to engage in some conversations with some storytellers and some creators. Uh, so stay tuned, stay tuned on that. Um, I think we have a tremendous opportunity to um, uh, grow uh, the black soccer culture um, and community in this country. Um, we're in dialogue with um, uh, the Blacklist, which is an organization in uh, the UK. Not sure if, if either of you are familiar with them, um, uh, but they really have harnessed uh, the power of the black soccer community in the UK um, uh, and put on some pretty significant marketing and networking events. And we have some opportunities to do some things similar here. Um, and if you have ideas, I'm all for them. You know, we're in the, I'm in the idea business, fellas. You know, the best, the no. best idea wins. And I have no, I have no pride of, I have no pride of authorship or ownership. And if there are great ideas out there, I want to hear them. Oh, we have plenty. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, email coming soon. Good. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm receptive to them. Right. And then Mm -hmm. how do we, you know, how do we use channels like yours, right. And platforms like yours, right. To broaden our aperture and broaden our exposure. Um, uh, And so, you know, we are open for business. That's what I like to say. We're open for business. I want people to know that. Um, And um, uh, we're open for ideas as well. Absolutely. Um, So, I know you have to go in a minute, but let's get into some quick, fun stuff. A couple rapid fire okay. questions. Um, All right, let's do so it. What is, what is one interesting fact about yourself that most people wouldn't know? Uh, one interesting fact about myself that most people wouldn't know um, that I am I'm biracial. Uh, my father is, uh, my fa- both of my parents are deceased. Uh, my father, a uh, black uh, Pentecostal minister, originally from South Carolina. Uh, my mother, a white Jewish woman from Queens, they met in high school. Um, and uh, had a love affair that lasted um, uh, seven, 13 years of marriage, uh, close to 20 year relationship. Uh, me and my, that uh, produced me and my sister. And most people don't, most people don't know that. Nice, nice. Um, when you need to get into the work zone, I know you're, you're a busy man um, and a lot of things going on around you. Like what's on your playlist when you need to like lock in and focus and work? Yeah, so when I need to lock in and focus, I, listen, I, I go for silence, brother. You know, I, um, and then I'll get to my playlist in a minute, but, um, uh, you know, I meditate daily and, um, uh, uh, I'm rooted, I'm rooted in my faith and, um, uh, in allowing the, uh, the spirit to, uh, guide 
uh, the decisions that uh, that I need to make and um, uh, tried not to interfere too much in that. And so I'm really driven by um, a, a sense of um, a shared humanity or aspiration for um, uh, for a major league soccer, at least through my lens, is to become a beloved soccer community. Um, and I believe that we have an opportunity to uh, to do that. And so um, I try to uh, find um, uh, silence uh, as much as I can um, so that I can be still and listen to uh, listen to uh, listen to the spirit and um, uh, see what uh, see how I need to flow from there. Uh, and then on my playlist, you know, it's like I, it has evolved from you know, like hardcore hip hop from the 1990s to, you know, I'm really much more of a, a chill and, and mellow, uh, you know, mellow music listener, uh, you know, these days. So, you know, Erica Badu, I'll throw that on. I like to, um, you know, the commissioner has some playlists. I listen to his music sometimes. And my son um, uh, is a, a burgeoning producer. He actually just got into uh, Berkeley College of Music. Um, oh, and uh, I was listening to some of his uh, his beats last night, which I have to say, you know, not just he's my son. He's got he's definitely got flow and he's got flavor. So um, uh, so nice. when it comes to hip hop, I listen to I listen to what what he what he's producing. Okay. Yeah, nice for mm -hmm. sure. That's great. All right, last one. <clears throat> yeah. So, like I said before, you're busy working probably a lot. Um, what's one of your favorite off work activities? I think I just told you that. Yeah, just I just right. shared that, which which in some in some in some circles, you know, can can make me um, probably some boring to some folks, you know, um, uh, but I'm not chasing excitement and I'm not chasing thrills at this point, you know, in my life, you know, that um, I really feel um, uh, rooted in who who I am, what we need to accomplish. My family, you know, is the priority. Um, I have a, a new baby, one year old, uh, Karen. Um, so I have three sons. I have a one-year-old Kieran. I have an eleven-year-old ZJ, uh, who I talked about at the top of the show. I'm eighteen-year-old uh, Miles, and you know to see them uh, thrive and prosper. You know with all the challenges we're out here in the world uh, today. That um, you know my my job and my um, uh, 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 my responsibility is to ensure that they have a, a happy and healthy life, and that's that's where I spend the majority of my time outside of work. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah my son's name is Miles as well. So. Yeah, appreciate it, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Right, what you got, Moby? Nah, thank you so much, Shola, for taking the time. Is there anything that you would want the audience to take away from you? Know, you, you, know, you mentioned the importance of family. Thank you for opening up and sharing your story, um, your career journey, all that. Um, but is there one like takeaway that you would want the audience to, you know, from your story, from your, from what you do? Yeah, to, uh, to, to, to believe in yourself and to know that uh, things um, always unfold as they are intended to. I think often we get um, stuck in trying to make like the right decision. And often we just need to make a decision. And what we'll find out is that uh, there was never an alternative, right? The decision, you can go back and forth a thousand times. Should I choose A or should I choose B? Whichever one you're ultimately going to choose is the one that was meant for you to choose. And so um, don't look back on your life with regrets. Um, uh, uh, stay stay um, present in what's going on in the moment. Um, uh, and don't allow your, uh, your fears and frustrations um, to, uh, to impact your decision making. And often uh, we can allow that too. And so um, uh, just show up and be your very best. Show up and be your very best. And if anyone wants to connect with you, I already know we're going to be sending a lot of emails about ideas, uh, shoot your shot season. Um, 
But if anyone wants to connect with you, how can they do so? If you're willing to share that, if not, sure. Who can... Feel free. Feel free to email me uh, Shola dot Winley. So it's S O L A dot Winley W I N L E Y at MLS Soccer. So two S's dot uh, com. Most definitely. And Fortune is in the follow up. He graciously sent out his contact information. So don't say you can't get to him. Get on your email. Make sure you reach out. Um, but thank you so much again, Shola, for taking the time. We really appreciate you and all the stuff that you're doing behind the scenes and on the front lines. It's really amazing to see what you and MLS have done to help you know, push the culture forward. And uh, we are happy to be uh, involved and would love to connect with you in the future. Well, Foz, I got to tell you first, thank you both for having me on today. And thank you for uh, creating a space for us to have this conversation and just to talk about uh, to talk about soccer and to talk about black soccer culture. Um, and thank you for what you're doing. And you let us know how we can help uh, to continue to amplify what is it you're doing, right? This is a two-way street, right? And so you let me know um, uh, how we could be supportive of what you guys are trying to accomplish. Um, you guys plan to come out to All-Star in Minnesota or what? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, we'll make it happen. Well, let, let's well let's let's uh, let's let's um, we'll 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 connect offline. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm serious. If there's ways that the league and and um, uh, me and my group can be supportive of what you guys are doing to get you guys out there, let us know. Okay. Sounds so let's great. Make sure, let's make sure we keep uh, keep connected. Appreciate it. All right, Thank I you. appreciate you, fellas. All right, All right. take care. Yep, yep. Be well. Stuff.